You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and sitting right across the Zoom room, I've got a guy that we weren't sure would be here. He was up in New York. A hurricane was barreling towards that peninsula. What is Long Island? It's a real island, right? It doesn't matter. You were where a hurricane was going. Didn't hear from you for days. We're very, very concerned. And now we know you're alive. So since you are here with us, how are you doing? Doing great. I'm, I'm doing as good as the ball season upon us, Max. Football's here. No more waiting. Dude, we are, what, 10 days away as we record this? Nine, as y'all are listening to this, from really the first real full-capacity game in Dope Campbell Stadium in two years. That's incredible. Now, hopefully, it doesn't have the same result. Um, but, hey, we're playing a team that's actually, I don't know, won a bunch of major bowl games, national championships, and has playoff appearances. So it can't be as embarrassing as it was two years ago. It just could be. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. Before I dive in, folks, thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening to us five days a week, Monday through Friday. We are setting Locked On Seminoles records, and we're doing that because of all of you. So if you haven't already, which I imagine a lot of you have, but Take the time to go into Apple Pods, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you're listening on, and hit us with that follow or that subscribe button. That way we pop up to the top of your news feed or your uh, your queue or whatever your app calls it every single day. And if you haven't done it, I know it takes a minute, but I promise it's worth it. Make sure you go give us a five-star review. Tell us what you love. Tell us what you hate. N- not about us, but like, you know, what do you hate about the Gators or Miami or all right. the things that we collectively love to hate. And uh, right. we'll read it on air as part of Five Star Fridays. And today for Five Star Friday, we've got NC Knoll player. Five stars. Great. Love listening to FSU fans every day. And we love talking about FSU fan, FSU every day. We're a couple of fans turned content creators, I suppose. We've got day jobs, but we long for a life where we can do this as our full-time job. So we'll keep doing it again and again. With that in mind, David, let's dive in. This week, we've talked about coaches. I gave my little quick coaching audit. I also named my two coaches to watch two guys that really have something to prove this year. Otherwise they are going to be on that seat. No one wants to be on mine were defensive coordinator, Adam Fuller and linebackers coach, Chris Marv Drake then came in yesterday and he also named Adam Fuller, which was uh, about as surprising as seeing an evergreen tree in your living room on Christmas day. On brand. And yeah, on brand. And then he actually named Alex Atkins in a positive manner as his kind of rising star, his next superstar. So, Dave, I asked you to think of two. Who is your first coach to watch as we get ready to start the season next week? Number one for me, I actually have two different choices than both of you. So, this is going to work out all right. Number one, Kenny Dillingham. Kenny Dillingham came here with a lot of good things said about him from guys in the industry. However, at Auburn, and it could be part Bo Nix, Bo Nix didn't exactly work out so great. I bet you could find a lot of Auburn fans who'd agree with you on that. Didn't quite develop as much as they thought he would while Dillingham was there. 
He's here now. Last year, we had some moderate success with Jordan Travis, but Kenny Dillingham has more in the arsenal this year. Jordan Travis should be better. He has Mackenzie Milton. We have no idea if Chubba Purdy could be really good. He has some weapons to play with, and it would be really, really disappointing if after this year, we weren't looking positively on the quarterbacks as one of the best, best position groups we have this year. So Kenny Dillingham, I'm looking at in a positive light. I think he has a lot to work with. I think he has a lot to prove, but I think he's poised to make a name for himself. And, you know, like a lot of Norvell's assistants move on to head coaching jobs. And I'll tell you what, if he has a good enough year where that's what happens, I think we should all be pretty happy about it. Yeah, I don't think you should ever be upset about a coach leaving to take head coaching jobs because that just shows that your coach is doing his job of developing talent, you know, on his staff. I think that's a great thing. I think the Kenny Dillingham choice, I wasn't sure where you were going to go with that. So in a positive light, I agree. I said this during my coaching audit. I don't know how to evaluate Kenny Dillingham because I don't know what he does. I don't mean that in a negative way. I just, I literally don't know what it is Kenny Dillingham does. You know, he's an offensive coordinator. He's a quarterback's coach, but Norvell is also runs the offense, calls the plays. So I just kind of have to take it as anything produced by the offense is a product of those two together. And, you know, eight times five is also five times eight. There's really no way to separate it out. I just kind of have to accept that that's where they are. I also think if Kenny Dillingham gets us to six wins this year and probably leaves. I, I would assume this is kind of his money year, but if he stays one more and then we get in that, you know, seven or eight win range, I got to think we're going to find the money to be able to get another great offensive coordinator. So the reason I'm saying that is I like, I'm not worried that Norvell relies so heavily on Dillingham because they both have had so much success together at Memphis, but then Kenny went, to Auburn and was by a lot of metrics, very successful Norvell stayed at Memphis and was by any metric, highly successful. So I I think him moving on to a head coaching position would be a testament to Norvell. And it wouldn't concern me about the future of the program too much. If, you know, and again, that's not me bashing Katie Dillingham. That's just me saying the two have proven to be fine without each other as much as they're good with each other in the past. Now, Dave, I want to get your second, coach to watch for this year. But first, I want to tell the folks what I tell them, I don't know, two or three times a week, every week, because I know y'all listen to every episode. So you hear me talk about Bilt Bar. I don't even know what to say about Bilt Bar at this point. If you're not on the train, you're going to get left behind. But don't worry. Bilt Bar comes right back around like the train on Snowpiercer, you know, makes it around the whole planet. It comes back on a regular interval which always confused me about that movie and show, right? Because I understand that like eventually everyone else is frozen, but if this thing was on a set path around the world, people would know where to stop it and would, it doesn't matter. Anyway, folks, Built Bar is great. It's only five grams of protein or that's not true. If there were only five grams of protein to be an Herbalife supplement and I wouldn't be talking about it. It's 15 to 20 grams of protein. I think they hover in that 17 range. I do the peanut butter brownie. That's actually 19. You only get five grams of carbs. You only get five grams of sugar, but it tastes like a spoonful of sugar. It makes the medicine go down. You look lean. You feel good. It's a phenomenal product. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off your order. 
So yeah, man, let's not waste any more time. Who is David Weiss's second coach to watch? Dillingham was a positive. I imagine we're about to get a hot seater. We're going to get a hot seater for sure. Ooh, I love it. John, John Papuchas, I what? swear to God, if we don't have a defensive end who records multiple sacks, and, and not just multiple, like, like six or more, especially with Jermaine Johnson coming in, highly lauded from Georgia, I expect him to have a great year. If we don't have him and, and or another defensive end on this roster have not just a good year, but I expect a prolific year from someone, I'm going to be really concerned going into next year. We, Can we I ask talk you a, a lot about yeah. this because I think there's a very important caveat here. You know, I always find the caveats, but this one is important. Would you want Papuchas on the hot seat as a coach, or is what he's done at special teams coordinator, if we have the same progress we showed last year, would you just want him to give up control of the defensive ends if you saw a deficiency there? Like, what I'm asking is, do you think? What he's done for the special teams is good enough to warrant him having one of the, what is it, 11 on the field? Or is it 14 or 11? Oh, who knows? Who knows? But either way, you guys, if you care that much, Google it. I could, but, you know, then you'll hear the click on the on the mic. And that, hey, it's Friday, folks. It's Friday. Drake's unlocked on ACC. He left it to us. My Google, I guess, doesn't work. Either way, do you think it'd be worth using an on-the-field coaching spot for John Papuchas because of the special teams alone? It's funny you said that about special teams because for the same reason you mentioned about Kenny Dillingham and Mike Norvell with the offense and the quarterbacks, Mike Norvell's big emphasis when he came in, his initial press conference wasn't, let's throw the ball all over the place and run for a bajillion yards. It was special teams. So I'm not so sure what part of that isn't Norvell's emphasis versus John Papucha's specific input or involvement. I don't know. I know that's his title, but I really don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. But I think Norvell brought in Papuchas because of his emphasis on it. I don't know if Norvell himself does much on special teams. You know, you look at practice Maybe. videos and you see Papuchas out there flying around. But I agree with you, man. Last year was, Ooh. I mean, underwhelming doesn't even begin to to describe what we saw at the defensive end position. I mean, no one could get to the quarterback. It, I don't even have like a metaphor. And y'all know something is bad when Max Moody doesn't have an analogy for it because I've got one for everything, but they just, they couldn't get to it. It was, it, it was insane. And, and you know what the funny thing is? We had two defensive ends drafted. Notwithstanding, right, the right. lack the of talent, the talent was there, and and you know we talked about this last year. It's such a dumb standard, but I wonder was that effort right? Was it all related to the effort these kids were given? I look, I don't even want to talk about last year. Here's the thing: they say you die two deaths in this world, right? Once when you stop breathing forever, and twice or your second death is when people stop talking about you. You know, last time your name is mentioned, you're done. I would like last season to die the second death. Let's just, let's just stop talking about it because I think every coach right now is equally fireable except for Alex Atkins and Mike Norvell. If they do poorly this season, that if they are doing poorly, we don't even have to talk about last year. So let's just, let's just make that promise to ourselves. Next time we're on the That's air, fair. it'll be Monday. It will be game week of the Notre Dame game. And we're done talking about last year, unless it's like, you know, some stats or something about a specific player. Is that a good deal? We can make everyone. Yeah, that's fair. Let's keep it happy until we're given a reason not to be. That's what I'm saying, brother. I love it.
And folks, speaking of being happy until you're given a reason not to, we're going to move into our favorite segment, the betonline.ag line of the day. But we're going to have a more extended conversation. So go to betonline.ag, make your account, use promo code locked on. Guys, you get a 50% welcome bonus. The house always wins, but they're giving you free money. So it definitely ups your chances. And I've told you this before, but here's a tip from a, a retired expert if you will, you're always going to lose to the house. They will always beat you hands down. You will never win money gambling unless you change the rules of the game. Very, very simple. I think winning gambling is the easiest thing on the planet to do with sports gambling because Vegas has to make a line for every game. You don't have to play every game. So that's why we give you tips of lines you should look for. If you strategically place your bets, you can come out a winner all the time. It's when you try to beat them at their own game, that's when you're going to lose. So go to betonline.ag, use that welcome bonus to bet on the picks we're going to give you, change the rules, and make yourself a little bit of money in the meantime. We'll be right back with those picks. Dave, I got a couple of lines for you, buddy, that I have selected that I think I want to get your knee-jerk reaction on. Where are you? Mississippi, Louisville, I'm expecting Lane Kiffin to have a good year when he gets his hands on an offense and he really gets entrenched. He puts up points. His defenses suck. I mean, he's not a defensive coach, but the teams that he, the teams that he coaches always end up sucking on defense. That doesn't mean he's not going to try to put 60 points up every game. Even if some of them, he loses 80 to 60. I'm fully expecting Ole, Ole Miss to beat Louisville by two touchdowns. Dude, I, that is what Drake said, and that makes that an official show line, a betonline.ag show lock of the week. We've got Ole Miss, take the points and run, folks. Our other show lock of the week, by the way, in case you missed it, I shouldn't even tell you. I should make you go back and listen, but because I love you for listening to this episode, I'm going to give you a little, a little sprinkle of goodness, and I'm going to tell you the other show lock of the week is Illinois plus seven at Nebraska. That's a 1 p.m. game. And that is this Saturday, week zero. Dude, I may come out of retirement just to put money on this game. There is no reason Nebraska should be the favorite in this game, especially not by a touchdown. Illinois just got an SEC coach who just did a stint under Bill Belichick and Brett Billima. And Illinois beat him by 20 points last year. I mean, this line is ridiculous. If you don't, if you do not bet on this game, I can't help you. It's that simple. So those are our show locks of the week. We got Illinois plus seven. And then next Monday after week zero is over and we get to week one, we have Ole Miss plus nine and a half. Take it before that thing gets over 10 because then I start to get nervous. But Dave, we got a couple more minutes with the people. Let's talk realignment. So David, we've gotten my thoughts about the alliance. Drake and I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I kind of know where his thoughts are and I can ask him on Monday and he'll probably talk about it on locked on ACC. He actually did a big round table last night. They dropped an episode today. As you're listening to this, they'll have dropped another episode. So check that out. Locked on ACC. David, let me lean back and ask you, what are your thoughts on the Alliance? Well, Max, I am not a big fan of a declaration of friendship in college sports. Yeah, that's that's what this was. The alliance was, in my view, kind of pathetic. Like it was clearly 
a response to the SEC becoming the only meaningful or relevant conference. And the big answer to the SEC, already the strongest conference, adding two of the biggest names in college football was to say, hey, guys, let's be friends with two conferences that, quite frankly, I don't consider to be football conferences. I don't know that that just doesn't solidify to me that the ACC really, really does not care about football because the Pac-12 and the Big Ten don't, or the Big 12, sorry. So I I don't know what the point was. Yeah, that was my initial reaction. I will say, I think the Big Ten cares very much about football. I can tell you from spending a week, I guess now two weeks, or I guess last week at State College, those schools really... I mean, they're in, they're bought it. They love football. They're not going to let it go anywhere. The Pac-12, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I, I hear don't some know. of the schools are really nice to look at. They have great scenery. Yeah, I mean, the schools. you know, they, they talk about, okay, we'll do some interesting matchups. We'll have some of this. We'll have some of that. But is there anyone from that conference you would actually care if we played them? Like, on, even oh. on a rotating basis? If if you told me we had Stanford on Labor Day night, I would be like, why? Okay. I mean. Yeah, I'd be like, great. What my, channel is it on? I'll watch it from home. Right. right. I'm not go, I'm not paying to go to that. No. I mean, there's not a single team in the Pac-12. The only team I, you know what? I take that back. USC. USC. That's who I was going to say. I think the history there. Oh, you know what? One more. I want to get on a field, grab a shovel, pre-dig the hole. And I want to beat UCLA into the dirt, like just just as as low as you can bury a team. I want to do that to UCLA because Florida State, apparently, I had to look this up, by the way, once I started caring. But we should have won a basketball national championship and been like the ultimate Cinderella of the old tournament. And those a-holes on their way to win, what, like 10 out of 11? They stopped us from doing it. And I don't like that. So I'd want to get some Ron Simmons style top rope through a table revenge on them for something that happened well before I was born. And I didn't care about until six months ago, but I want revenge anyway. Oh, in Oregon. Yeah. That's cool. Yes. Them. I'll, look, if this was about money, I don't get it because NC state Colorado isn't selling a lot of you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I got, I got off topic talking about how much I wanted to beat up on other schools to, to get to my actual point. I think as much as it was sort of a nothing burger and it's like, okay, so you intend to do something down the road. I've gone back and watched the press conference and I've really kind of tried to read the subtext. And I think while that's exactly what it was, that's actually a good thing because it at least shows the SEC, Hey, you're not going to do to us what you just did to the big 12 come radar cabinets. We're not going to have that happening to us three. And I also think they said they're not going to, they're not going to break contractual obligations. Well, those run pretty far out, right? Like you got games scheduled. When do we play Georgia? 26, 27, something no. like that. We play I mean, some like, SEC powerhouse every year now. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like our contract now to play Georgia, Charlotte's going to basically be going to college by the time we play that team. Yeah. So I, I don't think there's much they can say, but I'm going to look for one thing and one thing only. Do more games get announced this year, Right. And if they don't, and then we get to next summer and we still haven't seen any big game announcements. Well, that tells me the real agreement that they haven't quite publicized is, hey, pull back on the levers, stop scheduling these big marquee matchups down the road. That way we can get to a point where we're scheduling on a faster cadence. 
because I think the idea is probably to have three school, three conferences that say, look, Florida State is really good this year. Michigan is really good this year. And Michigan State came out of nowhere. So why don't we have a Saturday where Florida State plays Michigan State at noon and then Clemson plays Michigan at night and we'll plan to run it back next year. But if Michigan, if Harbaugh leaves, their recruiting class falls apart and they come off a cliff, we'll go grab Oregon, who's having a great year. Like if the NFL can schedule eight months out, why can't college football? I mean, at this point, we all have jets. We have instant communication. There's no reason we should have to schedule this stuff because we, I mean, how good's LSU going to be when we play them? So to me, it's like that, that game provides no benefit unless we're both top five teams. And there's no way to know that now. So I, I'm hoping this could just be wishful thinking. I'm hoping what the Alliance brings is a more dynamic scheduling system where we can look one or two years out, not even go to three and say, okay, this is who's good. Let's put them all against each other to open up the season. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I, look, this is the last thing I'll say about it. Everything in this world is about one of two things. I posit it's all about sex or money. I don't believe this friend zone alliance has anything to do with sex because friend zone. But if this isn't about money, meaning Florida State is not benefiting financially long term from this because of TV contracts going up for us scheduling these games, then I'm just so disappointed in the ACC for being this pathetic. And I can't wait to get out. I think it is about money. I think there's this weird chicken and egg thing going on with college football where ESPN holds all of this power because of how much money the media rights generate. And thus they're able to pay these massive conference dividends to the conferences who then pay it down to the schools. But that wasn't created by ESPN. They're a distributor that was created by college football being a great product that they then were able, them and Fox and CBS or Viacom CBS were able to hype up And then once it became so valuable and they started consolidating distribution, then there was kind of a flip. The point I'm making is great products will always sell. So if this is a way to make the product better, I'm confident that it is somehow going to yield a return in the future. I just think it's going to take time. That's all we have for today. But I want you to take a moment, hit the pause button on yourself and realize that the next time you hear this beautiful buttery voice coming through your speakers or your headphones, or I guess those are the only two options. So whatever else you listen through isn't really an option. The next time you hear us, it'll be game week. We have gone through so much over the past two years. I mean, genuinely, last year wasn't a football season. It was using sports as an escape from the absolute pandemonium happening around us and this has felt like the longest offseason ever because of it. But now we're going to have a full Doak Campbell. We're going to have fans. We're going to have the marching band. And Florida State's going to take the field for the first time in like 730 days. And I could not be more excited. So thanks for stopping by today. We hope you have a great Friday. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. And I cannot wait to talk to you all during the first game week of 2021. I'm Max. That was Dave. And this was locked on Seminoles. Oh no. Dude, I just can't wait to be in the stadium. It's going to be so much fun. I, I had to pull. I, that's, that's what I wanted to say.